0: Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 90th episode of the Truth Island podcast. During the global pandemic, you may have found yourself locked into some rather unpleasant quarters. If you live in a tiny apartment in New York, you may have had to spend more time with people that you live with and negotiate and make compromises over common spaces. Your daily routine of traveling and going to the gym may have all been disrupted, and most people at this point in time could characterize themselves as existing in well, not the best of circumstances. However, no matter how awful or dire a circumstance may be the perspective or the tasks that we decide to take on can have a dramatic influence on how we interpret our how our time is being spent. For example, the internet, Kindles have made essentially the sum of all human knowledge available to us, not only in our very own homes, but one need not even leave the comfort of their own bed to start learning. And yet for many of us, we are constantly haunted by the specter of inaction. Thoughts such as, what's the point? Or I'm just not feeling it. Constantly inundate our thought stream and impair us from making the most of the resources that are currently at our disposal. Joining me to share his experience staying at a COVID hostel in Colombia, I am once again joined by Sam. Sam, you fell into a bit of a rough situation down there. Tell me, what have you been doing in your time here to combat the specter of inaction?
1: Well, very unexpected uh, thing happened. I'm visiting Colombia right now. I've been here for about four weeks and I'm kind of on vacation, kind of in a holding pattern, kind of in an escape route a little bit right now. But um, I, heading love back, heading
0: I love that I love holding this... pattern. Right, I picture some guy <laughs> in a plane. He's like, "When? Are... you know, that's the worst thing is like when they keep you in the plane and you're like, when are they going to you're right there. If like you can see the uh, the New York skyline and you're like, when are they just going to land the darn thing already?
1: <laughs> Seriously, it's been it's been like that uh, for me. It's been a, a crazy year as it has been for for everyone in, uh, uh, alive on planet Earth. But uh, you know, for me, it's involved a lot of transitions personally, uh, relationally, uh, work-wise, vocation-wise, um, and that's kind of landed me here um, in South America. Um, I'm I'm here to kind of get away in some ways. Um, uh, I've also made some goals to try to learn a little bit of Spanish and uh, and and just to, to rest and relax and and um, to just be here in a beautiful place and uh i was invited to a party in bogota um about two uh actually now about three weeks ago and and in fact it was exactly three weeks ago um and uh i probably shouldn't have gone you know there's a lot of things that we probably shouldn't do and um i went and it was uh at a secret location because you know i suppose it's technically illegal to have a party right now anywhere and there weren't that many people there. I would say there were 20, maybe 30 people there, but the space wasn't huge. And it was in kind of a basement type structure and not good ventilation and people weren't wearing masks and uh, it was fun. And, you know, the party went till four or five in the morning. And, you know, I, uh, I stand out as a gringo down here. I just, I probably dress like a gringo. I look like a gringo. I talk like a gringo. So people were buying me beers and shots and the night's going on and, and uh, it's late. And by the end of the night, I'm pretty sure I had gotten COVID. <laughs>
0: so that, now, I mean, This is very interesting and people really need to hear this story. And this is not to shame anyone or, or make people feel yeah. bad, but it's kind of awareness. And I think that, this is also going on in New York, by the way. I've read many, you know, the few times that I pick up the newspaper, the, 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 the New York Times has become so depressing at this point. I, I try and avoid it. But the um, the few times I do pick up the Times on my Kindle, I read about underground parties going on in New York, people, um, you know, going to these abandoned warehouses or whatever in Brooklyn and so forth. And on one hand, I get it. You're young. You're lonely. You want to connect with other totally. human beings, you know, you um, Us guys have urges sometimes. I'm just being real right now. You know, like I I get it. Like I I 100% understand that. And I understand the need for human connection is one that just can't easily be uh, dismissed. It it really, really cannot. I want to share a a story that my grandma told me um, living in occupied uh, Belgium, you know, when the Nazis took over Belgium for a period of time. She could actually not leave her house for like nearly four years okay so when the nazis took over belgium there were bombs you know it was it was chaotic you you really didn't even leave your house forget about wearing a mask or whatever you just didn't leave the house right and that's that's that that was like a reality for her and she was born in 1920 so you're looking at a very young lady right now you're looking at a you know a woman that's between the ages of you know eight you know 18 19 20, you know good prime years of your life so imagine spending some really prime years of your life Uh, living, you know, in, in, you know, not even being allowed to leave your house at all. And okay. It's been nearly a year. I get it. I I get you. I hear you, you know, but at the same time, life there, there, like, there's no guarantees in life that you're, that, that life is supposed to be a certain way that you're always supposed to be able to, you know, interact and mingle with people. I mean, we, we think of these things as being the norm, But they're not always going to be the norm. And that's something that people just have to be aware of. Like there are times when we have the privilege and I'm going to use that word, you know, capital P or the privilege to mingle, the privilege to be uh, social. But that need not always be the case. There there have been many times in history where that privilege has been taken away and probably for good reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're so right. And I love these historical examples. Um, It's amazing about your grandma, for example. I yeah I think my word of wisdom and I would I would want to be really really humble about this this experience and say like you know I I didn't make the right decision um there was a group of eight or 12 people from my hostel going to this party they were all Colombian and there was one American guy and it was just like it was a joyous sort of anticipation and we went and um you know, and we, and we had fun, you know, and, uh, but, but that, that doesn't, ju- the en- end of the end of fun doesn't justify the means of, of that. And, um, so yeah, I want to be really humble about that and contrite kind of and to just say like, probably not a good choice. I, I know it wasn't. And, and I would just caution people, uh, against, uh, as Aaron has just said, you know, as much as you want to get out and dance and drink and, all the above um just don't don't do it i mean honestly if you avoid super spreader events like that you're going to be i'm not going to guarantee you're going to be okay but those are just that's just asking for it and and the thing is it's also irresponsible in terms of sort of your community and so yeah i just would just caution people and i don't mean that judgmentally i just say hold off hold off. It's hard. I understand um, where we're at right now. And it's difficult, especially in the winter months. I mean, it's pretty warm down here. Uh, I don't know how cold it is up there. It's probably pretty cold up there. So,
0: yeah. And I I kind of want, you know, I, I, you know, I appreciate your humility, but I want to also just come to your defense a little bit here, Sam, because if you got 10 people telling you to do something, we all think that we're John Wayne. Okay. We all think we're a hero. Like I ain't going nowhere. You know, we all think that we're this rugged individual. That's going to stand up to 10 people and say, no, 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 no. You know? And it's like, like, if we're all being honest with ourselves, if 10 people are being like, come Sam, come on, man, we're all doing it or whatever. It's very easy to fall into that. And I, I don't want people to like, just cast their rocks at you and just be like, come on, you know, like, you know what, like it, before you cast any rocks or any stones right now, you try resisting 10 or 12 people that are telling you to do something. You you try. And I, I'm being very serious. It's not, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. Okay. It sounds a lot easier on paper. We all think that we're this heroic figure, but push comes to shove. You're, you know, we're not as, as, as courageous as we think to just resist people. I want to talk maybe about, now that you have like this this experience, I'm wondering if we could maybe even talk about some like strategies that we could come up with to resist this kind of peer pressure for, for those, you know, who might find themselves in a, in a similar situation in the future. Because I think, I, I think now that we know that this is a problem, maybe there's a way that we can kind of go about this, you know, because again, We don't want to sound, you know, when we don't want to come off as, you know, holier than now because people hate holier than now figures. They tend to not last very long. But (laughs) we want to maybe come up with some language of like, how how can it like when people are trying to tempt us to do things that we know aren't right? Maybe there's a nice way to dig our our feet in the sand a little bit more and maybe convince them otherwise.
1: Man, I'm definitely not the right person to ask about that. I'm. Weirdly stubborn sometimes, and also a pushover sometimes. So I don't feel like I'm very balanced in this way. But I think there's a humility that's called for with something like COVID. If you want to to bring your question into the context of COVID, where you're going to feel this pressure to maybe party and drink and go out and do things, um, I think just to be humble about it. You know, like you're not superhuman no one, it doesn't matter if you're American or Colombian or, or, who you are, you're, you're a human being with, you know, nasal passages and lungs and, um, a heart and cells and blood, and you will, you will get sick, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and so just to be really, uh, modest and humble about your humanity and, and, and I think to be humble in the sense of like, just to care about other people. You know, I, I, just spent, um, 10 days in isolation and, um, and that was hard, you know, at times uh, today's kind of my first day out, actually. Um, we can talk more about that, but all week long over the weekend, you know, there was Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving's not really a thing here, although Colombians love to party. So there was like, <laughs> there was like a Thanksgiving, thing and i wanted to go and i was like no i just can't i can't put people at risk and uh they had uh, the first of december is a huge deal in columbia i didn't know that so there were fireworks and parties and wait you know and there's pre- like lots of pretty people there and lots of you know alcohol and there there was a hostel across the street from my little like isolated sort of COVID haunt where i was staying and there was like a jacuzzi and a rooftop bar and you could hear like girls screaming every night and it was just like dang it
0: oh my oh my goodness man you know what this sound you know what this story reminds me of this story reminds me of the odyssey when odysseus is on the ship uh there are these like um I think like demons or or water monsters called sirens and the sirens scream out to you and they, they appear as beautiful women, and they, and they tempt, they tempt the men to to go there. But if you get too close to the siren, they eat you or destroy your, they destroy your ship. And I I think like, you know, that's an example of where the odyssey is still true today. And a, a lot of people think, Oh man, that, that passage is just disparaging towards women. But I think if you interpret siren as like temptation to do things that you ought to not be doing, you can kind of learn a very valuable lesson from the Odyssey. I think the Greeks were really spot on with, with telling us that like, sometimes you're going to be tempted by all of these allures, but you kind of need to stay on track and, and kind of ignore them if you want to get home safely to Ithaca. And and like, again, these, these 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 lessons and these things keep cropping up. I want to talk about one other thing is that people our age also have this like notion in their head, like, oh, if you're young, um, you can survive it. The chances of being you know, 28, 29, 30 and dying from this thing are slim to none. I think one of the best talking points, one of the best things that you, the best shields you can use against this is like, yeah, I'll probably survive this. But if I encounter someone in a more vulnerable or more elderly age demographic, they're not going to survive this. And, and that that puts them at risk. And I think that's that's the best comeback that you, if you ever find yourself in a peer pressure situation and people are, are pointing to how young you are and how healthy you are. Just using that as your self-defense of being like, hey, you're right. I'll probably survive this, but I can't take that risk with other people.
1: Yeah, there's like definitely a rebelliousness Um that COVID has brought to the surface. I think we see it, especially in some of the red states, you know, about wearing masks and taking precautions. There's just a rebellious spirit against, um, and I've noticed it, especially among people from the United States, even down here, there's been a resistance. Uh, about embracing some of these precautions. And I've been really impressed with Columbia's response. I mean, in some ways it's it's almost over the top, but yeah, I think that we've got to go that direction, honestly, uh, with a global pandemic, um, just a lot of their kind of basic safety things are honestly way more even more advanced than New York City. Like I went to a restaurant the other day and, and before the girl bust the table after the, the, the customers left, you know, she sprayed the whole thing, like, uh, you know, all the dirt, every, she didn't touch anything. And before she sprayed the whole table and I was like, boy, we didn't even do that in New York. So (laughs) there's a, there's a, a real, um, a real stringency here. And I think the mentality, I like what you, the, the point you made, like, it's not just about you, it's about the lives that you, your life touches. And, um, and I think it's, I mean, I, I can't help but think about kind of a wartime mentality, you know, going back to your grandma. Um, we have to embrace kind of a wartime mentality right now. I saw somebody took a bunch of World War II posters, you know, like Victory Gardens and different things that the GIs can do to promote the, the war effort and people back home can do and all these things. And it was like they, they took out war words and replace them with like COVID words and stuff. And <laughs> it was really, it was really clever, you know? And I, you're going to have to send
0: it, me those. I, I I'm, a, I'm i I'm, I would love those posters.
1: Absolutely. I, I I'm, I'm a
0: huge fan. History aficionado, and I, I would love to see some of these, you know, uh, World War II propaganda posters repurposed for COVID. I think that yeah. be, that's really beautiful. It's um, it's
1: perfect. It's a perfect uh, way of framing the debate. You know, we're we're in a war. You know, we're not facing Nazis. We're not facing um, you know other other human enemies. Um, we're facing sort of a biological enemy. You know, and we have to. Um, unite as a planet and we need to unite as a country and we need to do our part and um, i think it's just as irresponsible i I'm, I can't think of a good analogy but you know if if you have a 20 28 year old person going out and say well you know i'm pretty resilient i have a good immune system and stuff like that so i'm not going to take the precautions and stuff and i'm throwing myself under the bus here a little bit right because that's what we're talking about my experience in colombia getting covid um, but I think that's just as irresponsible as um, somebody during the war doing something that uh, that actually hurt the cause of of the war. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I love I love the wartime analogy. I, I think that um that's you know is is this I no this is much easier than World War II. I'll, I'll granted that, but I think I think that when you learn about the sacrifices of that generation. What's being asked of us now is just so freaking easy. It really, it really is. It, it's like when you look at what they sacrificed for us, what we're being asked to sacrifice is really chump change com- compared to the sacrifices they made. Okay, I do want to get this story, uh, you know, uh, going here. So you you test positive for COVID. Tell me what happens next in your journey.
1: I had symptoms pretty quickly after the um, the the party. I would say within about you know, two or three days, um, I was starting to feel some of the symptoms. And, um, I was actually staying with an American family at the time. Um, some friends of mine, um, who live here and they were pretty chill about it. I was pretty open with them. I said, Hey, I went to this party. I am feeling some symptoms of fever and, and some mild symptom, like fever, uh, fever, like symptoms. And, um, they were really, really calm about it. Really, um, really kind. Um, I, I, I went back to the hostel and, and I, you know, I have to be honest again, I probably put some people at risk during this time, you know, because I ended up being positive. Um, It wasn't until about a week after the party that I actually finally got tested. And um, I didn't know, I didn't know. And um, I was honest and open with the people around me, but I finally got tested because I was visiting another town in, uh, Columbia, a small town with some friends, some Colombian friends. And um, we had spent the day together and um, nothing too close, nothing too. We kept our distance. We were in a car together, windows open, stuff like that. But I started to, I kind of started to put things together in my mind, some of the symptoms that I had had in the previous week and nothing extreme, nothing extreme. But at one point, there were within about five minutes that I was visiting this girl. Um, and we were in the back seat together about six feet apart (laughs) and she sprayed some perfume in her hand and she put her hand up to my nose and I couldn't smell it. Mm. And she was like, you can't smell that. And then about five minutes later, we passed like a hog farm or something like that. An Iowa hog farm, just kidding. And, uh, there was like the smell of hogs, you know, pigs. And she was like, wow, that really stinks. And I was like, I can't smell. And she's like, Oh my gosh. You know, she was like pretty concerned at that point. And her sister's getting married in like a month. And I just, it got me really scared. I was like, I can't, if this is a th- real threat, I can't be putting the whole nation of Columbia at risk here. So the next morning I, um, I just bit the bullet and I was kind of playing it out in my mind. I was like, what if I am positive? I'm going to get evicted from the hostel that I'm in. And by the way, the host, m- most of the host, I would say, I would say I've stayed in four hostels since I've been here and they've all been relatively vacant, mm-hmm. uh, you know, relatively So there's not a lot of tourists, tourists. There's there's it's it's a good time to hole up in a hostel is what I'm saying. Anyways, I was afraid that I was going to okay if I get if I test positive in a foreign country, what are they going to do? Are they going to throw me? Are they going to throw me under the bus? Are they going to throw me out? Are they going to evict me? Am I going to have to be homeless, a homeless gringo in Colombia? I don't even speak Spanish. What am I going to do? I was really pretty concerned. Uh, Do I have to go back home? And uh, but I I was like, you know what, I put all that aside. And I decided like, this is what I have to do. This is kind of like the right thing to do almost morally right. Like I I need to know myself. And uh, I just I I need to know.
0: I want to just throw something out here. I'm not sure exactly how this works. But I I have spoken to friends who have been Um, ejected from countries, not that they did anything wrong. It's just, they were missing a piece of paper. And usually what they'll do is they'll, they usually just look at your passport and whatever your passport is, they they book you on the next flight to your country of origin, wherever, wherever that is. So if anyone else is just, you know, if anyone ever listens to this and they're also in a similar situation, it's like, what, what will happen is that you will most likely just be detained for a few days and then you'll be, sent on the cheapest or whatever the next flight back to your country of origin where, and they'll even, they'll even send you to your st- your home state. They'll look at your driver's license and figure all that stuff out.
1: That's pretty cool. I didn't really know that. It's good to know that. I I think the the second, probably maybe the second, this, this, so this is now maybe the, the scariest moment I've had in international travel. The second most, inter- second scariest moment was, was, um, uh, uh, losing slash getting my passport stolen in, uh, Italy in 2006. Wow. And just, and just realizing that, you know, here I am, I'm 18 years old. Uh, I don't have, you know, a passport in a foreign country. And I, and I was able to continue my trip. It was a trip around the world. And when I was 18 and, and I was able to finish that trip, but this was definitely up there in terms of scary. Yeah. So I went to the clinic and I had, such a hard time the clinic was packed 100 people all masks and socially distanced you know everybody's getting tested you know Uh, 80,000 Colombian pesos which is about 30 bucks to get tested which is pretty good for a rapid test getting results in two hours and I'm at the I'm at the front desk talking to the receptionist and she's got a mask on and doesn't speak English and she's got this huge glass uh, window in front of her and and I can't understand anything. She's asking me all these questions about like for my forms, you know, and um, and all of a sudden this girl kind of popped up out of the waiting room and she's like speaks perfect English. She's Colombian, but she lives in L.A. And that was amazing. And then so she was kind of a hero of the day. And then I got tested and then I waited two hours. And I I was as two hours, as the two hour mark kind of rolled in. I was like sitting in my hostel room like kind of crouched my head between my legs. I was just like, so nervous, like what's going to happen? What's the verdict? I'm like a a guy, uh, you know, waiting for the jury to come back and pronounce (laughs) the verdict. And, uh, and it was guilty, guilty, you know, and, uh, I was positive, positivo. And so I kind of like just was silent, you know, for like 10 minutes and I'm like, all right, I gotta figure this out. So, I text. I my love. Friends. I love how
0: you're making this a story of redemption in some way. I, I kind of <laughs> there's. It, it's. It's. Uh. You know. I. 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 You know. It takes a lot of humility, and I. And I. I appreciate the 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 motif you're going here with. <laughs>
1: Thanks. Thanks, man. I, I, I knew I had to be honest with everybody. You know, I texted my friend that i had hung out with the day before the girl with the perfume in her hands. Um, and, and she was, you know, she was pretty, I would say pretty, pretty displeased because I had put her whole family at risk, you know, in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, and she, she ended up testing negative Um, a couple days later which was great um so that i'm sure that means that everybody else is negative um but uh i'm i don't know you know so that was good um but i it, it was hard it was hard to sort of bring that kind of displeasure into people's lives um and then uh the next step was to go and kind of fess up you know to um the uh the the hostel manager again no english I go out to the lobbies, kind of this kind of big, strong, silent type Colombian guy, uh, but really nice. And um, I just spilled the beans, you know, and through Google translator, I said, man, you know, can we talk privately, please? Um, Sure, sure, sure. Um, And he pulled me aside. What's going on, man? And I said, hey, I I just tested positive for COVID and I'm I'm so, so sorry. And He goes, oh, tranquilo, tranquilo, you know, everybody tells me that because I'm such a You know, like a hyperactive person sometimes. So (laughs) Colombians, that's Colombians favorite things to say to me is tranquilo, tranquilo, just chill out, chill out. It's okay. Um, And uh, he was like, all right. So he asked me a bunch of questions. And basically, we just decided, like, you need to leave this hostel you know, if you, if, if they get reported that you're here, you know, they could shut us down. And I was like, at this point I was like, oh my, it's so, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I've put you all at risk. I have put your, your livelihood at risk, you know? And, um, but basically the, you know, the, the long story short is that I left that small town. I paid, uh, I, 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 fled the town because really there wasn't space for me to have kind of an isolated space there. And so I went back to, to medidine where I started the journey and where I'm flying out in about a week. And, um, I was able to find, um, basically a, a vacant hostel. Um, and it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so I can see sort of like God's, you know, hand in some of these things, you know, it's sort of like, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, really grateful, you know, because I kind of found like the perfect place to spend 10 days of isolation, um, back in this town and, you know, and, uh, I can talk more about that, but just, it was a dramatic, it was kind of a dramatic Monday, Tuesday of last week, as I was figuring some of these things out. And, um, today I'm, I'm really grateful. Um, I think um, so yesterday was kind of day 10 of, of isolation and I, I'm able to kind of be a little bit more free today uh, and again that doesn't mean not wearing a mask and all that stuff it's just I don't have to be isolated as much and I I, I kind of double check that with some people. I checked the CDC website and they've kind of revised some of the guidelines and um, but basically you don't have to be retested. Uh, unless your physician encourages it, but 10 days, eight to 10 days now is kind of the guideline on that. So, um, so I, I, I think I'm in the clear, you know, I don't, I I haven't got retested and I may get retested this coming week just Mm -hmm. to confirm that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've just been trying to figure it out and I've been trying to be responsible. I didn't want to end my journey. all, All of the above.
0: Well, first off, Sam, I mean, I, you know, that that's an incredible story. And I I love, I you know, like I, I you know, I, I don't want to sound too preachy here, but I love the way that you're not only telling the story as if they're a sequence of events, but you're also creating like a moral story arc of what exactly is going on to you. You know, you, the verdict came in. Um, I was able to redeem myself by finding this empty hostel. And you know, like I can't, can't force people to believe things they don't want to believe. But the, this is incredibly health, health. This is very helpful because there, there could be another person that went through the same exact set of circumstances as you, Sam. And like oh, I randomly got this disease. It's so bad. And then I randomly stumbled upon this place. And they're not really making sense of the story arc. They're just, they're just explaining a random series of events. Like I, I went to this party, I got sick and then this happened. Um, But when you take these random series of events and you create a story arc out of them, you can actually learn from these random, you know, from from what seem like random events, you can actually make a very cohesive and cogent story arc for yourself, whether you're religious or not religious. And that's an important skill to be able to do in this world, is not just see all these events as completely unique from one another and some kind of random combination of events, but actually taking the hard work, creating a story arc, and then learning from that story arc.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I, I heard someone say once that, you know, Kind of the the goal of becoming an emotionally mature person is 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 knowing your story and being able to um to to tell it in a coherent way um, your own life story. You know, I've I, I as you know, Aaron, I'm a huge fan of the Pixar movie uh, Inside Out um, <laughs> yeah. because and and for good reason because it actually takes really abstract ideas that you and I would love to talk about in the abstract, but it brings them into Concrete uh, relief, you know, if you will. And um, I love that about that movie. It takes really complex ideas and, and presents them in really simple, fun ways. And one of the things it talks about is like we all have kind of core stories, you know, but it's not just a matter of knowing those stories. Like, you know, when I was 10, I won this hockey game and my dad was my coach and he was really proud of me or something like that but it's being able to sort of like connect the dots between those core stories and who we are today. And I think that's the definition of coherence is being able to sort of see the, the, the meta narrative, you know, the themes, the motifs of our whole life. Um, And we don't have, we don't have to subscribe to a religion to be able to do that. But I really think that that is a worthwhile goal for, for every, um, for every human.
0: Yeah. The final, the final thing I want to say on this is that I I find that, a lot of people ascribe tragic events in their life as just sheer randomness or whatever, and okay sometimes there are tragedies that are sheer randomness okay it's true okay it's true, but sometimes people like to use the random the randomness card to escape responsibility. And that's, and I see, I see that a lot with people is that they go, oh, that's just random, 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 you know, and they're using that because they can't come to terms with they, with the fact that they may have gone or, you know, astray at some point in their life. And, and that's, that, 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 that kind of prevents you from growing and it kind of prevents you from course correcting when, again, there are not saying there isn't, there are random encounters and random things that will happen to you and that's okay, but if you really do the hard work and create a, a story arc for yourself, it allows you to grow and learn and realize that the world isn't always as random as you think that it is. You do have a, you have a, you do have a part to plan all this. Okay. You're in this hostel for the past 10 days. What the heck have you been doing with yourself?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I really, I, I got to talk to you last week um, for, for a few minutes, which was great. And I really appreciate you reaching out to me like that. People were great. I, I, I got some really nice little text messages and emails and stuff um, and I, and we talked on the phone. And, and you know, I, I bring that up because you you said something I think really good and important. And um, uh, I think it's good for everyone to hear that, like, you know, we've got to we've got to bloom where we're planted, essentially. Um, and we never know exactly where we're going to be planted. And that could be geographically or sort of vocationally or whatever, relationally. Um, you know, where we're going to end up. And, um, I just think it's so easy to be, um, to fall into, to a trap of resentment or self-pity or bitterness. I know it is for me. And, um, you know, you, you really encouraged me and challenged me to kind of look for purpose in this time and, uh, to not treat, you know, this sort of COVID hostel as a, uh, one of the universe's waiting rooms, you know? And I think that's so important. I think that's important for every stage of our lives is, you know, we may not be where we want to be and we may be really, um, contained. And I think this is a word for all of us as we go into a a North American winter, a a North American COVID winter. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard winter, I think for me, for a lot of people. And, uh, but it doesn't have to be a waiting room. Uh, I don't know what the opposite of a waiting room is, but, but it doesn't have to be a waiting room. And it, and it can have purpose and it can have meaning. And, and so, like I said, I was in a, basically a, a, a vacant hostel. Um, you know, There was a guy that came every day. Um, he's a little bit older, probably the age of my dad, honestly. He's a maintenance man. He would come for you know six, seven hours a day and paint and do maintenance jobs at this huge empty hostel. And, you know, I kept my distance from him, but, you know, I'd sit at the end of a, a table, um, this, this huge dining room table, and he would sit kind of like far away and, you know, we we'd talk, you know, and he doesn't speak any English, <laughs> but we would just somehow connect. And it actually was exactly what you said. You're like, you need to find some grandma person or, or, you know, old lady that, you know, maybe she's waiting. And there were, there were a few other kind of stragglers like that, you know, um, that I was able to, to connect with in that way. But I also had a lot of time to, I worked on Spanish a little bit. I, um, I listened to, um, you recommended listening to, to a Jordan Peterson podcast. I listened to that. I, um, I read, um, as much as I could. I, I, you know, I did some writing. Um, I, uh, worked on some, uh, my, my friend is a pastor in North Dakota. He sent me his sermon texts and I would help him with his, um, kind of his analysis of the texts, you know, from a distance. And I talked to some people on zoom and, and, um, you know, I rested. I, I mean, the first week I actually still had some symptoms. So I was actually pretty, um, I slept a lot to be honest. Um, and I, I stayed in my room as much as I could. Um, of course I had to go to the grocery store a couple times. I, I, just discovered today in the New York times that that's actually not that risky of a, of an activity. Um, you know, you wear a mask, keep your distance, you know, get what you need to get, get in, get out. It's not as big of a deal maybe as we thought it was. It's still important to be careful. Right. Um, but I, 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 I exercise extreme caution as much as I could, um, and I kept my distance and um, I sort of spent time with kind of kind of in my own my own thoughts. Honestly, it was it was kind of nice. It was kind of nice to slow down. I've been going really hard in Colombia. I've been taking buses and trains and taxis and walking and uh, talking and just, you know, it was really nice to just step back. It was good. And I really appreciate your advice about, you know, uh, not settling for a waiting room.
0: No, thank you, Sam. I think that's a really productive usage of your time. And it actually reminds me of an episode I did a few episodes ago, we talked about the idea of of punishment and justice and so forth. And in every, you know, punishment or whatever, there's always an element of restoration or restitution. And what I like about this is that you know, There's two ways that you could be making restitution. You're making it towards yourself by self-betterment, like I'm learning Spanish, I'm learning new skills, and you're also helping other people. You helped your friend out there look at a sermon. You proofread it for them and, and hey, as a writer, if someone could proofread my stuff and I could get another set, of, you know how hard it is to get a second set of eyes to read anything that you write? It's next to impossible. No one wants to give you the, the time of day. It's, it's like virtually impossible. And I think those are two really good usages of one's time. Even even if you're not being punished for something, just you just find yourself in isolation or or locked in your house. I think self betterment in terms of you know even even like even in my apartment, the amount of exercise I can do with a, a simple pull up bar and a, and a and a mat is amazing. Like you could really get some good exercise. You could learn a second language. You could you know write something. You could read books. And you know in terms of communication. I always joke with people. I'm like, I'm way more social now over Zoom than I ever was in real life. (laughs) You know, like the conversations that we can have with cell phones and over Zoom are really incredible. And it's like, it's like to, to, delude yourself into thinking that, Oh my God, I'm a prisoner here. I'm all alone. I'm in complete isolation. There are so many communities. There's so many meetups. There's so many Facebook groups that will talk up that you can meet people and talk to them about their problems and help them and they can help you and vice versa. There's so many ways that you could be contributing in this world in a positive way And I I think it's all it's all a game of perception. If you perceive that your life is miserable, if you perceive you're a prisoner, if you perceive COVID as complete incarceration, well, you're going to adapt that mentality. But if you see COVID as an opportunity to better yourself and better others, well, it's going to be it's going to be a wondrous thing. Yeah, I
1: forgot to mention, I also watched a eight part series on the history of the English language. (laughs) (laughs) Um, YouTube, YouTube is a cultural goldmine, man. And, uh, I don't have, uh, I didn't have access to, uh, you know, a lot of things like, uh, I had access to some, some like Netflix in Spanish. So I, I was able to watch a few Netflix things, but, uh, man don't underestimate YouTube and, uh, and uh, don't underestimate alone time. I, I like your prisoner uh, metaphor too. You know, um, we don't have to be prisoners. I mean, it's just this idea that we don't we don't have to become bitter by embittered by our circumstances. Um, it's not um, faded that we have to become bitter. We can be. Um, we can become better.
0: And it's really this. The, my my thought process is really grounded in Buddhism and Stoicism, where it's like you know, you can control the things you can control, but then you must accept the things that you cannot control. And, and then that's, that's essentially the core tenant there is that, okay, what are the things I can't control? I can't, you know, like it's impossible to go to a party right now. It's, it's far too dangerous. That is that is outside the realm of anyone's control right now. And accepting that is is a good step forward. And then saying, okay, I have internet. I have Wi-Fi. I have computers. I have a phone. I have books. I have Zoom. I have all of these other tools at my disposal. Let me start using those tools that are at my disposal to better myself and others. And it's like, suddenly, suddenly you're completely liberated. You're in a state of complete liberation once you just make that paradigm, that mental paradigm shift. I think you've,
1: you're kind of an inspiration to me to be more, uh, get on Zoom more, be more social, you know, join this meetup group, Um, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, more conversations with you about these things, and um, yeah, you've been a good, a really good example for me of uh, kind of making the most of this
0: time. Oh, and believe me, I've learned from others as well. It's, it's like we, it's all, it's all, we're all just passing the wisdom torch here. It's not, it's not, it's not emanating just solely from me. It's, it, you know, there's a lot, there's a huge community of people out there. All right, final thing, Sam, what's your, you're at the end of your 10 day quarantine. What's, what's next on the horizon?
1: So I uh, actually came to a different hostel this morning. Um, I'm at a I'm actually back at my original hostel. Um, It's kind of one of the biggest, best known hostels in Medellin, Medellin. Um, It's called uh, Selena. Um, They've got a beautiful co-working space. Um, It's part of the reason I'm here. Um, I wanted to get here in time for this podcast because I need a good internet connection. And sometimes (laughs) those have been hard, hard to come by and quiet spaces. So this is... um, a really really professional kind of grade co-working space um connected to my hostel and my hostel or right i just booked 7 nights um for 35000 pesos a night which is like oh man that's like Not like 10 bucks a night, um, eight, nine, ten bucks a night. Um, so I've, I'm really excited. Um, I'm going to be able to be here this weekend. I have a, uh, a Zoom retreat. Um, one of my friends is a counselor and she recommended this. Uh, it's it's called a family of origin retreat. So just kind of looking uh, at some kind of more nitty gritty technical issues with, uh, with our families of origin, you know, um, our parents, our siblings um you know working through some things there and i i i I i'm looking forward to that so that'll be the rest of today um probably starting around four um and then all day tomorrow and then sunday i'm looking forward to um kind of getting out for the first time i'm going to probably be in most of today and tomorrow because of the retreat and then sunday will be kind of my first day where i uh, again still wearing a mask still keeping distance not going to super spreader events like, uh, basement parties. Um, but, uh, but also just enjoying myself. I'm going to go to some, some, uh, kind of spots in, uh, Columbia, uh in Medellin, there's a, a graffiti tour. Every wall and surface is covered with paint and graffiti and Medellin It's really pretty. Um, there's a, uh, kind of an old style Paisa Puebla, kind of an old village in the pattern of like the 1800s here in town. I'm kind of interested in maybe a music museum or two, some statues, some parks, some plazas, um, some restaurants. Um, I haven't really explored Medellin a lot because um, the southern, kind of the middle part where i'm at is there's so many things here it's very touristy there's great restaurants there's tons to do so i'm kind of looking forward to leaving this neighborhood and i haven't really been able to do that because of covid and other reasons so i'm excited i have about a week left after um kind of starting sunday um, and, uh, I'm going to really try to make the most of it. I wish I could travel a little bit more in Colombia, but I don't think that there's time and, and in some ways, sometimes less is more with international travel, you know, um, yeah. I've, you, you probably know that as well. So I'm, uh, just trying to feel it out and, and looking forward to my last week here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, it's funny when you said, um, 10, you know, $10 a day, I, you know, I immediately did the math. I'm like, that's 300 bucks a month. And I I think that that, you know, I mean, you know, I don't know about, I have the New York kind of rent mindset and I'm like, you get a lot done for $300 a month. So I think if anyone, if anyone's listening out there and they really just need a quiet place to retreat and write that novel, or just really hunker down in some solitude, you know, with little overhead. 300 bucks a month is not, that's not a bad, that's a pretty winning prospect right there. Uh, Sam, be very careful and be very safe. And thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Aaron.
0: This concludes the 90th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.